Go with me to the book of Genesis. Everybody say Genesis. Chapter 32, starting with verse 3. Genesis chapter 32, starting with verse 3. Then Jacob sent messengers ahead to his brother Esau, who was living in the region of Seir in the land of Edom. He told him, give this message to my master Esau. Humble greetings from your servant Jacob. Until now, I have been living with Uncle Laban, and now I own cattle, donkeys, flocks of sheep and goats, and many servants, both men and women. I have sent these messengers to inform my Lord of my coming, hoping that you will be friendly to me. After delivering the message, the messengers returned to Jacob and reported, we met your brother Esau, and he's already on his way to meet you with an army of 400 men. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask you, God, to speak to our hearts today. Father, that you'll help us to be able to see the pathway of life that you've laid out for us and those that have already gone before us. We just pray that we can decrease so you can increase. And we give you honor in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to speak to you for a little while on this topic. Would you say this with me? Don't let your pain. Say it again. Don't let your pain speak louder than your praise. Say it one more time. Don't let your pain speak louder than your praise. So the passage that I read to you, Esau is on his, well, Jacob's coming back. Let, let me just start from the beginning here, okay? Jacob, you remember the surroundings, the events that happened at Jacob's birth, that uh, his mother, Rebecca, is struggling with the birth, and, you know, those kids are flipping and flopping inside her, and she's going, man, what's going on, God? And, you know, you talk about a bellyache of grand proportions, and she... It's told by God that there are two nations that are struggling within you. And she said that the one will be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. And so when it comes time to be delivered, Esau is delivered first, and he comes out, and he's covered with hair, and it's red hair, and so they call him Esau, which implies red later he'll be called Edom which literally means red and he is born and right right after he's born Jacob is delivered and this little fella coming out of the womb grabs hold of his brother's heel and she calls him Jacob because the name implies heel grabber so they, they live their life, and you know how it is. And parents, let me share with you, it's important that we don't show partiality with our children because Isaac loves Esau because Esau's always hunting and bringing him food. And Jacob is a care of sheep, and he plants things, and Rebekah is more fond of Jacob. 
these boys grow up and as they begin to grow up, you know how brothers and sisters are. How many of you had a sibling? Wave your hand if you had a sibling. How many of you ever got into it with your siblings? Wave your hand if you ever got into it. That's just life, isn't it? I mean, every, every child can't be perfect. And so my brothers and sisters were messed up. And, you know, I... I <laughs> that's how we view it, isn't it? You know, that I, we got it right, but everybody else is wrong. And, and so siblings are going at it. And, and there's, there seems to be this constant... You, you can rest assured that... Rebecca is whispering in Jacob's ear what God told her that your brother's going to serve you. And so he's got this in the back of his mind. And what's, what's ironic about Jacob is he comes out grabbing heels and he spends the first part of his life constantly trying to grab something. The first thing he goes after is Esau's birthright. So Esau comes in from the field, he's faint, he's weary. Everybody say hungry. Have you ever been hangry before? You know what I'm talking about? That's when you're so hungry, you're angry. You know, hangry. And, and so he comes out of that field and, man, he is, he's hangry. I mean, he's, he's just, and Esau is making stew, lentils. And, and the stew itself has a red color to it and, when Esau comes out of the field and he sees what Jacob's making, he smells it. He says, man, he said, give me some of that stew. I, you, I can't help but think that, you know, because they're siblings, I'm sure that there's been a little bit of rivalry going on, a little bit of picking on each other. And I'm sure that Esau has had his time in the limelight where he's talking about Jacob making stuff in pots. Can't you ever get a piece of meat, you know? And, 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 but now he's desiring what Jacob has. Strange thing about this is Jacob was desiring what Esau had. Amen. And Esau didn't even recognize he had it. And so what he does is he tells him, he says, now, let me say this to you, that if you don't value what you have, you'll end up losing it. So Esau comes out and he, he's hungry and, and, and he wants that pottage, that stew, that soup. And Jacob tells him, you give me your birthright and I'll give you some of my soup. Now, understand that the birthright, I can't, I can't be sure exactly how the birthright played in Genesis. I, I know how it played out later under the law, that the the firstborn was entitled to a double portion of the father's household. And also, he stood in place of authority if the father were to pass. Amen. And so, it's something that's valuable. It's something that you ought to hang on to. The Scripture tells us to covet the best gifts. And so, that that was given to him by God, that, that you know, God could have reversed this. Did you ever think about that? God could have caused Jacob to come out first. But you see, God has a way of bringing life to us in a way that molds us and makes us and shapes us and causes us to become dependent on God when we recognize that we can't get where we want to be without him. Amen. And so Esau gives up the birthright. What good is this birthright to me now? And the strange thing is, have you ever wanted something so bad and, then, and you knew it was wrong when you wanted it? 
But you wanted it so bad, you went ahead and you did it, and then right after you did it, it made you sick to your stomach that you'd done it. How many of you have ever ate the whole half gallon? You know, <laughs> I got one in the back. You know what I'm talking about? That, that ice cream, it's just, you know, it just keeps calling your name from the freezer. You start out well-intentioned. You go in and you scoop out, and you got a little bitty bowl like this. Just a little, I'm just going to have a little bit. And then you go back. Well, I only had a little bit, so, you know. And you just keep going back until you find out, man, you ate the whole thing. You remember that commercial that came out in the 70s, I think it was? I can't believe I ate the whole thing. And it made you sick. Esau despises his birthright after he let it go. Because, you see, I've, I've discovered something in life that when you're hurting or you've been let me say it this way when if you've been hurt by someone you try and make sure that you build a barrier between that person so you begin to in your mind and in your heart despise them because you don't want to deal with them Esau despises his birthright because he doesn't want to deal with the fact that what he did was really stupid. He gave it up. You know, what's unique about this is when you read the passage, you don't see Jacob trying to barter with him. You don't see Jacob saying, well, that Jacob's not the one that's saying, that birthright's not going to do you any good if you did. Anyway, you might as well give it up. Jacob just laid it out. Let me say it to you this way. What Jacob is saying is what you have means something to me, even though it may not mean anything to you. And so he gives it up. The next thing that happens, you go on, and the next thing that Jacob finds himself reaching for is the blessing. The birthright may give you a double portion, but the blessing is what gives you the promise. Amen. And so when, you, you know, it doesn't matter how much stuff you got if you don't have the Father's blessing. And all you have to do is take a look in the New Testament at the prodigal son to see that that's exactly true. He had all the stuff. Everything you've got, you can lose. But a blessing from your father, you can't lose. <laughs> do, you, do you hear what I'm saying today? Is that it's more important to seek God's favor than his provision because if you can find the favor of God you'll always have the provision of God but if all you're after is your daddy's stuff then you can lose that but if you've got your daddy's heart you've got everything that's in your daddy's hand <laughs> and so he goes after the blessing Esau goes out Isaac says look I go I'm getting old now I I want to bless you go fix go go hunting and fix me some good deer meat and bring it back in here and I'm going to bless you 
Rebecca overhears it, tells Jacob, go kill a goat. I'm going to fix it up to taste just like deer, and you're going to go in and get your, your brother's blessing. I can't do that. If I do that, man, dad finds out. He said, he'll, he'll curse me instead of bless me. And she said, well, let the curse be on me. There'll always be someone to talk you into something. Now, now, let me say something to you here because I think a lot of times we get a little confused around the surroundings of Jacob taking his birthright and getting his blessing. I just want to leave for your consideration that God could have given Jacob all those things without manipulation. Amen. You, you hear what I'm saying? God could have done it all without manipulation. Oh, no, no, that had to be the will of God. Well, you better take a look back at Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar. Because Sarah thought, well, I can't, you know, God's not able to do it through me, so I'm going to help him get it done. Anytime we start inserting our hand in what God is wanting to do, it's always going to bring about circumstances that we're going to regret later. And so you've got to trust God. Somebody say trust God. So he, he goes in, man, Jacob, don't you know Jacob's sweating bullets when he walks in to his father bringing that, that meat that's been disguised to taste like deer? He's, his mom even put the skin, skinned that goat out and put, you talk about somebody hairy. Man, he, she's got goat skin on his hands and arms and all up around his neck. And you talk about somebody that needed a big shaver. This guy, this guy is hairy. And when she, he goes in and he's standing before Isaac, and Isaac can't see. His sights left him, and he's going, man, what? He, the meat tastes like deer. And he smells like Esau, but he sounds like Jacob. And so he, he, he says, come close, my son, and he grabs him. And man, Jacob thought the gig was up. When he grabbed him and he starts feeling that hair on him and he feels the hair up around his neck and then all of a sudden he begins to release a blessing to Jacob. I want you to understand that God is not trying to hold anything back from you. But in God's kingdom, everything is built on timing. When the time, right time comes, God will release it to you. You don't have to try and make it happen. You need to just let it happen. Amen? Amen. So it goes on. I, I need to fast forward here. It goes on, and he, he gets the blessing. Esau comes back in, finds out what's been done, and he says in his heart, he said, I'm going to wait until after my father passes, and I'm killing Jacob. I'm, this guy, he stole my birthright. He's taking my blessing. And the truth is, Jacob did not steal his birthright. He gave up his birthright. Don't blame the devil for something we willingly gave up. Everybody say choice. How many of you know everyone's got choices? I hear this all the time. I hear about, well, if there's a God, he wouldn't let bad things happen. So how do you answer that, Pastor Rick? Well, it's obvious. God gave us choice. God can't, this can't be a pinball machine, life, where all of a sudden sometimes you get a choice and sometimes you don't. 
He gives choice. And consequently, our choices don't just affect our lives, but they affect other people's lives. So if a man goes out and he drinks and he chooses to get behind a wheel and drive on the way home and he kills a family, that's not God didn't cause that. That man's choice caused that, that God freely gave him. And God, we want God to intervene every time a bad choice is going to affect us. But the rest of the time, we want him to stay out of our life and let us do, and let our, let's, let us do our own thing. It doesn't work like that. Everything we do, the scripture says, acknowledge the Lord. Lord in all your ways and he'll what he'll direct your path so Jacob spends the first part of his life not really acknowledging just trying to get what he knows God said was his and it ends up sending him on the run and Jacob is about to discern or about to discover that running away from your problems do not solve your problems And they don't make your problems go away. But he is on the run. Do you ever hear that saying, well, they got a taste of their own medicine? (laughs) Jacob is getting ready to have to suck the bottle (laughs) of medicine. He goes and he goes to his uncle's house and you know his story. He sees Rachel coming and he goes in and he serves and man, Rachel's a knockout. I mean, she's beautiful and, and, and Leah's not, it's not that Leah's bad looking. She's just not as good looking as Rachel. And if you want your choice between a Rolls Royce or a Mercedes, Debbie took the Mercedes because I couldn't afford the Royce. <laughs> What are you saying? I'm I'm talking about it's like he's looking and all of a sudden he says, he makes a statement. He said, I'll serve you seven years for your daughter, Rachel. Oh, that's great. That's great. So he serves and it seemed like a day. Boy, you talk about somebody that's in love. It, It seemed like a day. Seven years seemed like a day. And on that wedding night, they, they're having a party and, and everybody, you know, is having a good time. And he, you know, and he's, a little tipsy from celebrating too much and he goes in the tent and he doesn't discover until morning Amen. wakes up expecting to see Rachel next to him and there's Leah he jumps out of that tent bed jumps out, runs out to Laban what have you done to me boy it didn't make her feel too good what have you done to me? You've given me, Leah, I served you for Rachel. It's not our custom to give the younger before the older. It's odd how he forgot to mention that seven years ago. Right. Amen. I'm telling you, what, you know, the old saying about what goes around comes around. And now, man, there he is. And, and he says, I'll tell you what you do. You go ahead and you, you, you know, you spend this week with Leah And then next week, I'll give you Rachel. You serve me another seven years. Well, when you want something bad enough, you just bite the bullet, and he did. About 20 years go by, and Jacob, Jacob's, Laban has deceived Jacob. Scripture talks about 10 times he, he, he switched his wages out. He told him, you get speckled sheep, and, and I'll take the solid ones. And then he, when all the speckled sheep started producing really well, he said, you, you take the solid sheep, and I'll take the speckled ones. And 
there's something you need to remember. Scripture says that if God be for you, who can be against you? I promise you, you'll never have to fight for yourself. There's a God that'll go before and do all your fighting for you. And all of us, man, there have been times in my life I wanted to fight. Times in my life I wanted to do it. I wanted to resolve it. I wanted to take hold of it. And I'm sure if I thought hard enough, I could think of a few times, Brother Richard, where I did. But I promise you this, if I did, I always ended up paying a price for it. But the times that I let it go and left it in the hands of God, God would do things in ways I couldn't possibly imagine. And so Jacob decides it's time for me to go. He's become a wealthy man now. He's become rich in cattle and herds. And isn't it odd that God made him wealthy without the birthright? God made him wealthy without getting any of his daddy's stuff. He made him wealthy in a place where he was, where he was ill-treated, where he was mistreated. You need to understand something about the promise of God. There are not enough devils in hell to take that away from you. When you hold on to God and you follow after God, God will assure that he gets you where he said he wants you. All those things happened without the deception. And God told him, he said, go back now. And so he's on his way back. And he sends, he, he, he thought, man, you know the last words from his brother's lips were, I'm going to kill you. And so he's trying to make sure the coast, is, the coast is clear. And he sends messengers and he says, go find out. Go, go tell Esau. Go tell Esau that, that I'm, I, that, that his humble servant, make sure you use the word humble. Go tell Esau that I, that I, that I want to find, are you, are you friendly to me? It's enough time passed. It's 20 years enough to pacify your anger. And they come back and they say, hey, I got good news for you. Esau's coming to meet you. Hey, got some bad news for you. He's got 400 men in an army. <laughs> oh, man. He's, Jacob's beside himself. So Jacob starts conniving again. Jacob starts sending a bunch of sheep. He, he, he separates all these sheep. He's sending, man, uh, 200 sheep. Well, you can read the scripture. And he, he's sending, you know, sheep and donkeys and goats and ox. I mean, he's sending everything. And he sends two, two bands of it. He said, it separates them in two different companies. He said, because if, if, if he's not happy with the first gift, maybe he'll be happy with the second gift. And then he takes his wives and his children and he separates himself from them and he's divided himself so that if one company is hit, the other company might be able to get away. But it says that Jacob is left alone. At some point in your life, you're going to have to find yourself a place where you're alone with God. Amen. And begin to ask God what he wants. You can tell that Jacob has struggles with this because God shows up in an unusual manner. <laughs> All of a sudden, the Scripture says that Jacob finds himself wrestling with a man. We know that it's an angelic being. And, and so here's my question. Do you think that the angel couldn't whip Jacob? <laughs> 
The scripture said that he wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What did that say? What did that say? It said, during the night, just Genesis 32, 20, during the night, Jacob got up, took his two wives and his servants. Wait, wait, no, we, we, oh, we, we, we he's left alone. And then it says, it, it says that after taking them to the other side, he sent over all his possessions. This left Jacob alone in the camp and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. I want you to hear me. Before you see a new day dawn in your life, there's going to be some wrestling going on in your spirit. Amen. Let me say it one more time. Before you see a new day dawn in your life. How many of you ready for a new day? You know what I'm talking about. You're, you're expecting something from God. There's some promises that you feel like God's imparted to you, and you're ready for that happen. You're ready for the breaking of a new day. Before that new day comes, you're going to find yourself having to wrestle your flesh out of the way. And here he finds himself wrestling, and, the, and this is what's so powerful to me. It's not that the angel can't take him out. It's that God wants to know, how bad do you want me? You've tried to do everything your own way but now you're in a place where you recognize that the only way you're going to get what I promised you is to rely on me and trust me how bad do you want it Amen. it says that the that, that he wrestled with a man and the man could not prevail against him that's powerful what's it saying it's saying that Jacob's desire for God was so great that it kept his presence in that camp with him. And then the angel does something that we all need to happen. The angel reaches in and he gets a hold of the joint of Jacob's thigh that's held in with sinew or muscle that they say is so strong that scarcely two horses could pull it apart. And he goes in to the strongest part of his flesh Amen. and rips it from him. But he would not let go. He, he, he puts him in so much pain. He's ripping out the strongest part of his flesh. And, and then he says, let me go because the day breaks. He's saying, you need to let, let me go. There's a new day getting ready to dawn, and I can't be here when it does. Let me go. And he, he, uh, he, he refuses uh, to let his pain uh, speak louder than he prays. Uh, and he said, no, sir, uh, I'm not letting you go unless you bless me. Uh, my pain uh, will not keep me uh, from your blessing. Uh, I'm willing to endure the flesh and it crying out uh, because I need the hand of God to touch my life. I've got some things coming my way that I cannot navigate on my own. I need God. Don't let your pain speak louder than your praise. Pastor Rick, where'd, where'd you come up with that phrase? I was driving and I saw, I saw it on a billboard. 
when I saw it, I thought, oh, oh my goodness. I took that phrase and I began to pray and meditate. How many times have we let our pain be louder than our praise? We allow our pain to respond instead of our praise. Jacob refused. (laughs) I'm too close to what I need. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I've, I've got to confess some things. What are you saying? The angel asked him, he said, what's your name? <laughs> oh, gosh, you, you think it's, he doesn't know what his name is? He knows what his name is, but what he's doing is he's making Jacob come face to face with himself. Amen. What, what's your name? You would have to bring that up. <laughs> My name, well... I'm a heel grabber. I, I'm, a, I'm a deceiver. I'm, I'm a supplanter. That's what his name meant. And he confesses it out before him. And he's thinking, man, I ain't never going to get no help now. I mean, I'm, I've, I've told him everything I am, but then it happened. He said, that's not who you are anymore. <laughs> your name is no longer Jacob, but your name is Israel. It's a combination of two words. One means like mighty God, and the other means powerful uh, and a prince uh, and what's he saying he's saying like God you're going to prevail uh, and you're going to have power uh, you have become a prince in my sight today uh, you're no longer a heel grabber uh, you're no longer a supplanter you're no longer a deceiver but my friend you are a son and child of God uh, and there's not enough devils in hell uh, to take you out it's amazing what happens when you let your praise be louder than your pain. Well, pastor, I mean, that's the Old Testament. You don't see anything like that in the New Testament. Really? I found something that was even more plain in the New Testament. A couple guys, God's used them, and they get the snot beat out of them. I know that's not very poetic. But that's what happened. Paul showed up in Philippi, preaching the word. This girl that's possessed with the devil keeps following him around saying, oh, these are men of the most high God. These are men of the most high God. Well, if all you got's an ego, that wouldn't bother you. But Paul knew that wasn't the right spirit. Oh, I've been in revivals before when I, I laid hands on people, and the reason they fell out was because they didn't want me to pray too long for them. They didn't. I, I'll never forget, I was in a meeting, and the Lord was speaking to me as this guy was coming up. And as soon as I touched him, he went down like that. And I thought, that wasn't God. You just didn't want me to share what God showed me. What would you do? I just got down where he was. <laughs> You can't outrun God. You can't manipulate God. And so Paul turns around and he resquares off with that girl and he rebukes the spirit that's in her. And man, people got mad because this girl could foretell the future through demonic practices. And, and man, they, they, start, they go to the magistrates and start yelling, these people are messing things up around here, man. They, they've got Rome in a turmoil. They're teaching things that aren't even lawful for us. Amen. 
they weren't concerned about they, what they were teaching. They'd been teaching all along. What they got mad about was they couldn't make a profit anymore. And so Paul and Silas get beaten with wooden rods. I mean, my mom used to use a switch, but she never went and got a two-by-four and worked me over. They got wooden rods, and I mean, they, it's, they just, they, the Scripture talks about that they severely beat them. So they're unconscious. They throw them in prison, man. These guys, about midnight, Paul gets up. I don't know if you've ever had a beating before, but after beating, you're sore. <laughs> I mean, you, you talk to professional boxers. I remember, how many of you remember Muhammad Ali? You know, let me, some of you don't remember him. You're going to float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. I remember watching him in an interview one time, him and Howard Cosell. And Howard Cosell reached out, you know, and, and grabbed hold of his hand and, and was talk, it was a bad fight. I, can't, I think it was after the, he, he fought Frazier the second time. And when he touched his hand, Ali pulled back from him because his hand was still so sore. His body was sore from being beaten. The pain was loud. Paul and Silas lay in a prison and the pain was screaming. But Paul struggled and got himself up on his feet. I'm not going to let my pain speak louder than my praise. And he began to sing songs. Silas struggled to get to his feet and he joined voices with him. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm not hurting. I'm not trying to tell you that, that I feel great. I'm, I'm telling you that I am hurting, that I got some things going on and man, sometimes I wonder if I can make it, but I refuse to allow what I'm going through to speak louder to me than my praise to God. I will not allow the devil to get in my ear and drown out my praise and so they started singing and praising and all of a sudden the stocks that were around their feet the chains that they had locked them in fell off of their feet and not only did it fall off of their feet but my goodness man the prison bars flew open not did it just set them free but it set everybody around them free when your praise is louder than your pain the miraculous happens so how about it today? What's our decision going to be? Will we allow our pain to be louder than our praise? Or will we stand up like Jacob did when he was hurting? When the woman he had labored 14 years for lay dead in his arms. Will you allow that pain to be so loud that you allow it to become a curse on your family? To affect your children? Rachel called him Benoni. 
She died giving birth to her second son. Benoni is his name, the son of my sorrow. Jacob walked into that tent and his heart is breaking and his pain is real. The woman he loved is laying dead. And in spite of the pain he's experiencing, he lays her down, gathers up that boy in his arms and says, your name is not Benoni. I know what a name can do to you. I know how a name can impact you. Your name is not Benoni. Your name is Benjamin. You are not the son of my sorrow. You are the the son of my strength, the son of my right hand. Hear what God is saying to us today. You may be going through some pain. You may be experiencing some things that have got you distraught and feeling like I don't know what to do. Trust him and begin to praise him because when your praise becomes louder than your pain, it'll set everybody free. Would you stand with me today? Second service is going to have to listen to the tape on this. I'm wore out. <laughs> Don't let your pain be louder than your praise. You're going to have opportunity this year to exercise this. I've never gone through a year of my life that I didn't experience some pain somewhere. How about you? I was here in the church, and you'd think, man, the church wouldn't cause pain at all. I was in the church. We got living quarters back there. I don't know if you knew that. I spend more time here than I do at home. I know it's hard for you to believe because I'm so graceful up here, but I, I rolled out of bed. I, I made a turn and started to fall. Man, I mean, I was coming flat out of the bed. And, Ray, I reached up real quick and I grabbed hold of that armoire that was there. Caught myself with that single thumb. I wished I'd have hit the floor. It bent that thumb all the way back. I'm going to quit pastoring here. All I do is get hurt. No, I just got to, oh, praise God. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. It's not broke. <laughs> Don't let your pain speak louder to you than your praise. Because if you do, you're going to miss a miracle. You're going to walk away right before God brings everything together in your life. Can we pray together today? Father, we love you and we honor you. I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice, God, that you'll apprehend their hearts. God, in whatever pain they're going through right now, God, I don't make light of it and I, I don't speak ill of them going through it. I just pray this prayer. Let their praise become louder than their pain. Let the joy in their heart that you provide become like a well springing up into everlasting life. Let their praise raise the roof of their home. Let their praise pave a way before them. God, let their praise become the tool 
that sets them free from all their pain in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's give them a good hand clap of praise. We love you. See you next week. There'll be some changes when you come.